0: Hello everyone, welcome to Election Edition 2021. Today talking to Carl Sila, running for normal town council. Also have a guest host today, Ed Simok. He just started a local podcast, kind of in the same vein as ours called Keep Your Day Job. So be sure to go check them out. He's also talking to some of the candidates here as well. He's got his own spin on what he is involved in and also want to thank little beaver brewery our sponsor they are having one off wednesdays every wednesday and going forward and that's when they have a unique food and beer pairing on this wednesday they are having a summer theme and offering a healthier refreshing option it's the lemon lime wainbows beer with a citrus shrimp and avocado salad, those things sound delicious together. Go and check that out on Wednesday, and and also if you want to know what's going on in the one-off Wednesdays, go to their Facebook page and they have that posted every time.
1: Welcome back to PodBN. This is Jeremy Kelly with Ed Cimak and candidate Carl Silla, candidate from uh, normal uh, for the normal town council. So welcome to the podcast, Carl.
2: Thank you so much. Thanks for having me.
1: Well, uh, let's get started here and just jump right in. Tell uh, our listeners a little bit about you, uh, background, et cetera, and why you're running.
2: Um, uh, we'll start with background. I grew up on the West side, close to Oakdale School. Uh, you know, mowing lawns, delivering newspapers, uh, all that, you know, scouts, all that great stuff. Came up through unit five schools. Uh, ended up getting an engineering degree from U of I. I've also taken classes from Heartland and ISU used to be on the normal public library board, so I'm very much a a townie. My kids are either in or out of Unit 5 schools, so I'm, like I said, townie, family guy, so on. As far as why I'm running, um, as you said, I ran, or maybe you didn't say, anyway, I ran last time. Uh, I got into the race late. I was thinking, great, who can I support? But there weren't enough good candidates coming forward. Uh, I ended up being a Right in candidate because you know it's hard to get 350 signatures in two or three weeks, one of which is Thanksgiving. So, but this time I'm on the ballot and running again. When I was getting signatures, people asked, "You know, so what are the issues?" And basically, there's two umbrella issues that kind of cover everything else. Uh, the current town council works for the town council, not the town's people, and that translates into you know, fiscal irresponsibility. Some people call it outright corruption. Some people call it stupid moves, you know, whatever, but just we could do much better by the taxpayers.
1: So then if you, you came in day one and were allowed to set the agenda, I mean, what item would we, would we hit right out of the gate?
2: Unfortunately, a lot of things you have to look at what our contractual obligations are. Um, you know, so assuming that I was elected you know, dictator or whatever, some contracts don't matter, um, I would kill trail east. You know, 5,000 people uh, signed a petition saying don't tear down the mural. The council said, sorry, it's on our plan. We're going to do it anyway. Your input doesn't count. Uh, I would kill that outright and leave it as It also gets rid of most, if not all, of the street-level parking in the area. So, again, that's something that people like, especially if they're going over to the Children's Discovery Museum. Other things, there's just uh, a lot of vanity projects and sweetheart deals there's uh, at least three properties i can think of that we rent out for zero uh one normal circle uh, we're paying at least twice and probably three times the going rate for that space which basically amounts to a subsidy for the luxury apartments that are there that's not my idea of affordable housing you know, you don't subsidize the luxury apartments you try to help out the the people that need the help um and things like that just fewer ego projects and uh better use of taxpayer money
1: okay well i know listeners might uh if, if they've been longtime listeners know that you as you mentioned you've been on the podcast before a couple years back uh you ran, like you had said it's the right of the candidate um at an issue that was still an issue back then that's that's come back again and staying in that same area is uh the uptown 2.0 sort of project right on the other side of the tracks. Right. Um, what's your view on that and where it, I'm, I'm guessing it's it's similar to these others, but where, where does that rank on the priority scale for you?
2: Um, as I said, I was on the library board. I like the library. Um, I would like them to get a larger, newer space, but right now we're $80 million in bond debt, uh, even more than that in pension debt. And right now our financial future is kind of in question given that the town is trying to kill off all the small businesses so we need to stabilize things and probably pay down some of that debt before we undertake any major new projects at that point look at the details of the projects how much of it is actually needed and how much of it is just previous councils and the mayor trying to put up more buildings that they can put their name on a plaque (laughs)
3: yeah yeah that's uh I think that's an interesting perspective. Um, You mentioned you were on the normal public library board. Um, Can you talk to me a little bit about how, um, since you mentioned you were raised here, how the function of the library has changed over the time that you've been in this town?
2: Um, My very earliest remembrance of the library was Mm -hmm. they had kind of a, a storefront somewhere downtown. I don't even remember where because I was that little. And they said, here, check out as many books as you can. Pick bags and keep them for an extra two weeks. And that's how they basically had the townspeople move us into the new library building. Um, And that's kind of a a good hometown feel. And at that time, everything was books. They didn't have CDs, DVDs, anything online. So it's changed a lot. Uh, I greatly enjoyed the summer reading program when I was growing up. Uh, my kids have been involved in that as well, so that's a great thing, and it gets people reading, but at this point, it's kind of part reading center, uh, part homework center, uh, part educational center. Uh, if you don't know how to work new technology devices, uh, I'm not sure how they're doing it under the you know, COVID things, but it used to be every Monday morning, you could come in and they'd show you how to work your iPad, show you how to you know log on to the internet if you were somebody who... You know wasn't that technology savvy so it's not so much about reading it's you know there's that's still the core but there's also education and uh community outreach for other programs
3: yeah, that's interesting. yeah. I, I would say um i mean one one argument here as well is that the internet uh that, i'm sorry the internet the library serves as a location um for folks who don't have access to good wi-fi connection do you think the current why wi- the current library functions adequately for people who need that? Or do you think that, uh, I would say, like there's other priorities? It sounds like what you're expressing.
2: Um, that, again, that the problem is anything you say right now, Like I'm in an investment club and they say, well, well, should we buy this or should we buy that? Or should we look into this? With the whole virus situation, basically everything's up in the air. So you can answer kind of a general question, but it's hard to say if it applies right now. Um, I know before that they had a lot of people coming in to use the computers and use their connections. Um, I would probably like to see that expanded, but they also need more space. Now, whether that's a, you know, okay, we'll break ground as soon as Carl takes office, I severely doubt that, uh, given that there's other financial priorities. I would like to see it happen, but it's not about what I want. It's about what the people want. I will actually listen. Uh, so if people say, you know, a library is a nice to have, I consider it more than a nice to have, but if that's what the people say, then they stay where they're at.
1: Yeah. yeah. So what, what are you hearing that the people do want? I mean, you, you've mentioned a couple cases of we shouldn't do trail East or we shouldn't do uptown, but, but then what should we be doing?
2: Um, I think that's just it. We're doing too much. As I said, it's a lot of ego projects, uh, insider deals, uh, the latest thing you may have heard, they're planning to spend $5 million to run water out near Rivian, where Bloomington already has a line. Now, if there's a specific need for that, by all means, go ahead. But they're just saying, oh, it's kind of future planning. Uh, they haven't signed on the dotted line to spend the full $5 million, but it's on the agenda. And oftentimes, with the town of normal, if it's on the agenda, it's already decided, That's another pet peeve of the people don't get any input unless you're actively involved in one of behind the scenes committees early on. By the time it gets to the town council meeting, people call it rubber stamping, but it's kind of already decided in backroom deals. It works out the same The The people as a whole don't get much input. Oh, so uh, actually I kind of went off on a tangent there. Okay, so what should should we be doing? Mostly, I would say focusing on core services, the roads, the water, trash removal, then from there, get a better feel of what the townspeople as a whole want, as opposed to right now, we're kind of focused on what the council wants and their friends and so on.
3: So how do we, um, one thing I'm always interested in is how do we get greater engagement, Um, right? You're appealing as a candidate because you represent a diversity of thought that may, one could argue is not represented on the county board today. Um, so how do you continue to get people's engagement who even think outside of kind of your, what you're- Think
2: outside of what I want. Um, well, another thing I actually, I was gonna post a video on this to, to my Facebook, but I hadn't gotten to it yet today. Um, in December of 2019, the town had a citizen summit not the first one that they had. Basically, you get a bunch of people together and kind of discuss where the town's been and where it's going, the priorities and so on. Uh, Offhand, that sounds like a great thing. When I got there, though, it wasn't truly a citizen summit. It was, let's invite 50 friends of council members and have them pat each other on the back and give their seal of approval of what they already had planned to do anyway. Hmm. Uh, However... Uh, the word got out because they didn't publicize it at all, but the word got out and a lot of citizens did show up. And as a result, they didn't get the results that they wanted. And here it's been more than a year and they haven't published those results because it wasn't, "Yay, yeah, we're doing great. Yeah. Keep doing what you're doing.
1: So you, go, ahead. Sorry, go, ahead. Oh, no, no. go ahead.
2: So I was just gonna say uh, more events like that. Um, I'm not sure how, if we'd have to do them online or, you know, internet surveys or something like that, since a lot of people don't want to meet in person. But uh, whenever it's safe to do so, I think that would be a great way to do it. Just kind of get out there and talk to people and get their input and try to make the input more open-ended. Another thing I didn't like about the Citizen Summit that I went to, the questions are very leading. I don't have the exact questions in front of me, but there are things like, of all the wonderful things we've done in the last five to 10 years, which ones were the most wonderful? You know, that doesn't leave any... any room for, well, you shouldn't have done that and or that wasn't good. Uh, And what other things should we be doing that we can tax you more for, which doesn't leave any room for, maybe you should lower our taxes or do less. Uh, So we need to consider all options, not just the the leading questions that the town was putting forth at that point.
1: So I I was gonna ask uh, um, what, what sort of avenues, I mean, I'm, I'm hearing you, I'm hearing you very much say, listen to the citizens, listen to the citizens. Right. And we need to not be having just um, kind of using your summary, you know, 50 people that are friends of council members come in. Um, I mean, what, what would you be doing? Would you be looking to do that yourself and get out there? For example, Stan Nord does the kind of the recap, his own recap um, right. each week on, on Facebook. Yeah, I love those. Um, and, and, or would, would you be um, pushing for the, the, uh, town staff to set things up, listening sessions, those sort of things? Or I know some of the other. Chimberley um, I believe, a couple had had kind of a, a rally or an event around a, a topic. Would you be doing those things? Or what? what's kind of the avenue you think? Where's what, what your sweet spot of, of how you would engage with elected officials? One,
2: one thing right now, as I said, if if something's on the agenda for the town council, it's basically a done deal. One thing I'd like to see is an early agenda. Right now, basically it comes out on Thursday, it's voted for on Monday, uh, not voted on, voted for. Um, try to get those either out much earlier so people can you know, email in, hey, I see this is on the next you know, meeting two weeks out or whatever, please do this or don't do this or look into that. Uh, basically get more publicity of the issues out sooner before they're basically already decided. Then from that, me personally, uh, one thing I've considered doing—I've kind of been too busy with uh, campaigning and and other issues. You know, you've heard, you know, sleeping with the enemy or whatever. I'd like, you know, lunch with the enemy—somebody who has different ideas or doesn't like me or doesn't like what do I stand for. You now, try to go once a week out with somebody because you can always find some kind of common ground. You know, I might, you know, be all the way to. The left or right on a certain issue, and they're the the opposite. It's like okay, well, let's ignore that issue for the moment because there's no way either one of us is going to change the other one's mind. And pick something else and talk about it. And you can always find some common ground on something.
1: Well, let's let's follow that and pick another issue here that we haven't discussed but is on uh, many voters' mind. That's connect transit. A mm-hmm. um, lot of lot of uh, conversation around connect transit here in the last couple of years from everything from um the what they're doing as far as the new potential uh bus garage in, in blooming or the in, or not bus garage the uh the transit oh, center uh, transit center thank you i was totally You're blanking welcome. another word here uh everything from that from the uh, stops being ada compliant to some of the controversy around the board appointments um what's your overall view and approach towards connect transit and and what do you think's been going uh well for them that they've been doing right and what what's things they need to kind of tweak and work on
2: um Other than just seeing the buses driving around, my first significant knowledge of Connect Transit was when I found out that they burned through almost a million dollars of taxpayer money a month. Since since then, that's actually gone to over a million dollars of taxpayer money a month. However, most of that comes from the state. So I'm kind of of two minds. Me as a taxpayer, you know, it's... They need to be shut down or majorly revamped or whatever. However, me as a normal town council member, they're basically a a minor economic engine. They bring in money from outside. So I personally would ask the state to to try and reduce the subsidies, but for the time being, we'll take them because it helps the local community. Other than that, you can't be all things to all people, I think at this point, the Connect Transit is primarily you know, a feather in the cap of the two local councils. It's not really set up primarily to help the people that need it most. I think that's where their focus should be. As such, they, I like that they kind of looked at reworking their routes, but it needs to be not so much, we wanna be Chicago as we wanna serve our community. As far as the ADA-compliant stops, by law, we need to try and work those. So yes, those need to go in. I'm kind of a mixed mind of those in that it's great to have ADA-compliant stops. It helps the people who need it the most. However, that also makes it harder to change the bus routes if you need to because, okay, if it makes more sense for this bus to be a block or two over, you're abandoning a stop that's You've already, you know, invested good money in. It, it, it's a a complex issue. I'm only on the council, normal town council, not on Connect Transit. It would be good to get some different people on there that agree with me that the uh, primary focus needs to be those who most need it, as opposed to, you know, being able to brag about, oh, it's so green. Uh, oh, one thing I, they they chose very poorly on where to put the transit station. Um, It should have been the C2 East building. That's closest to the two primary downtown destinations there. Why they picked the other one, I don't know, but I think they chose poorly on that.
3: So there is a lot of existing infrastructure as a result of Connect Transit. how do we start thinking about that differently, right? You mentioned the bus stops and I agree with you that it's almost a design flaw that we can't figure out a way to make them both ADA compliant and flexible to route changes. Um, But that's a, that's a, that's kind of a a radical change in thought, right? Because we're not even thinking about the problem today. How do you, how do you influence the others on the council to start thinking differently like this?
2: I think again, try to go out and find things you do have in common Mm -hmm. Uh, in one of the, I don't remember which organization it was, you know, how do you work with people who think differently? Uh, Even people that are quote unquote wrong have a basis for that opinion. So dig down to what that basis is. And oftentimes you'll find you have at least something you can work with. Uh, Ideally uh, we'll get Mark Teratili in for mayor and some like-minded council members and, we can kind of, as I said, shift the focus from you know, bragging points for the town councils and turn it more into trying to help the townspeople. But if again, if we do have to compromise, I'm always open to trying to find the best solution for all parties, as opposed to you know my way or the highway. Yeah, exactly,
3: that's a good call. Mm-hmm. Yep. So. Um, Kind Of digging on that a little bit more, um, you talked a little bit about uh sweetheart deals. That was a mention, uh, something that you had made mention of, yeah. right? That becomes uh becomes kind of a hot button issue if Coos remains the mayor and you end up on the council. Again, how do we have productive dialogue about a topic that you guys both fundamentally disagree on?
2: Um, I guess it kind of comes down to where the majority lies on the council. If he has the majority of the council. I will kind of, for lack of a better word, be Stan Nord 2. I'll just kind of point out, hey, you know, we should not be renting this out for $100 a month when yeah. going rate would be a thousand. Or, hey, we should not be paying this much for that. Um, uh, a good example is recently the town sold what they considered an exit piece of excess property Maybe it was excess property, that's fine, but it was sold for basically half of its assessed value based on the fact that it was advertised once in the normal light. So Mm -hmm. if you or me had a spare piece of property, we wouldn't advertise it once in the normal light and hope to get a halfway decent deal out of it. Whether we went full out and hired, hired a realtor or ran the ad more than once or whatever, they're obviously not trying to get the best bang for the buck for the taxpayer if that's the way they do it.
3: Yeah, yeah. I would say I, I um, regardless of where we sit politically, um, I appreciate what you are calling for, which sounds to me like additional engagement and transparency. And I think that's something that, again, Stan Nord is is making an effort from his position. And uh, I think that's something we need on the board, regardless of who takes the seat. So, thank you.
2: Cool.
1: Well, I know it probably doesn't feel like it, but we're about the halfway point on the uh, podcast already. So one of the things we like to do is, is uh, kind of a lightning round of issues. It might inform where we go here on, on the second half of the podcast, but I'm just going to mention an issue or mention an item, looking for the first thing that pops to mind and, and for real, three words, five words, very short and very condensed. Okay. Um, what's, what's gut reaction? So um, first thing we'll say is uh, uptown normal.
2: Um, Money Pit. That's a little strong, but close enough. (laughs) Uh,
1: Next one is Rivian.
2: Hopefully a great deal.
1: Uh, Next one, Connect Transit.
2: Needs to be more aligned with the people.
1: Next one, Illinois State University.
2: Great local economic engine.
1: Uh, The Sports Complex.
2: Horrible idea.
1: Constitution Trail.
2: Personally, I love it.
1: The um, uh, urban sprawl is the next topic.
2: Um, I don't know that we have that with, you know, beyond. I don't think that's a significant problem here. Sorry.
1: Nope, that's fine. Uh, Economic development.
2: Too often it's misfocused.
1: And then city of Bloomington.
2: We need to work more with them and again less against them.
1: Okay. Well, certainly a few things we can jump into, but um, with the w- next thing, I did want to make sure we hit uh, before we we end our time today. Probably the topic of the day um, right now with with COVID. Um, not only what's happened in the past year, um, what what we're doing in twenty twenty one as we come out of it. Want to get your sense. Um, where do you think the town uh, got things right as far as the response and approach in COVID? And where do you think we we got things wrong.
2: I think the town has been too much following Pritzker and not enough following the science and local needs and so on. It's a complex issue. Obviously, you want to cut the COVID deaths. Everybody wants to cut the COVID deaths, and that's a no-brainer. But I I was actually thinking about this recently. Life is more complex than the 30,000-foot level. Just think making a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. Okay, how much jelly do you like? Do you want to put on more just so you can finish off that jar? Do you want to put on less because the jar is close to empty, but you want to get another sandwich before you go to the store? Um, Me personally, I make them different if I'm going to eat it right away versus it's going in a sack lunch because a sack lunch sometimes the jelly soaks through and it's all gross. Um, And similar decisions with the peanut butter similar decisions with the bread and that's just one person making a comparatively simple sandwich now most people don't think of those things consciously they're kind of in the back of your mind and you just kind of go tick 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 and you don't even notice you're thinking it but they're there so with the covid it's very obvious okay wear masks early on it was shut down businesses and you know early on that was you, you want where are you going away from the horrible thing. So you get in your car, you floor it because there's a tornado right behind you. That makes sense. However, once you get far enough that you can look in the rearview mirror and it's not right behind you and there's other options, those other options were not really looked at. Um, You know, shut down businesses, okay. That cuts down on COVID deaths, but that increases suicides. That increases alcoholism. uh, Shutting down the schools, that increases... uh, Child abuse and, and domestic issues. And all of those, you can't know, you can point at that person died of COVID, but you, it's very hard to say that person died of government shutdowns. Um, I actually lost two family members during the course of the COVID, but they weren't COVID victims. One was my grandmother. Uh, she was in her 90s. She didn't get out much. Her biggest things was she liked to go get her hair done on Wednesdays. And we went out to a family lunch every Sunday. Well, with the shutdowns, she couldn't go get her hair done. And with the restaurants all closed down, we we would try to bring her some food, but it's not the same thing as getting out and about. And those are big quality of life things when you're in your 90s. And that's basically what you have to live for. You know, you kind of give up. And I think that's kind of what happened to her. So she died of the COVID overreaction as opposed to of the COVID. Um, and you know, I, my aunt who died, arguably, she died because she couldn't get doctor appointments. So her cancer went out of control. You know, obviously my grandmother was old and my aunt was already ill, but likewise with the COVID it's like, okay, that person, you know, was overweight and had diabetes and heart disease, but the COVID killed him off. It's complex issues and we need to have somebody who will look at those complex issues. Uh, An example I gave recently, I had some kind of right-wing friends who said, oh, if you check these numbers, the the whole thing's a hoax. So I actually went out on the CDC site and I crunched through the statistics and said, okay, here's where your math's wrong. So I'm not all right-wing on things, all left-wing on things. I'm looking for the truth and the best answer. And sometimes that's left and sometimes that's right. And hopefully it's right down the middle, but I'm always looking for the best solution for everybody.
1: So, so I appreciate that you, you mentioned, I mean, it's it's not just an economic issue. It's not just a, a health issue. There's also behavior, mental health, th- those right. aspects. You know, it's, it's hitting us in many aspects, but I, regardless of the issue, I guess one of the, the kind of overriding questions is, so what's the role of the town of, of normal or, or local government? I, what, what should they be doing? What Not only can they do, well, but what should they be doing? Because that is very different for many different people. Right. What, what's your thoughts?
2: Um, try to see what they can do to help those most affected, which is primarily the elderly, um, if there are other populations, help them as well. We need to kind of try to be an extension of the health department, not the other way around. Recently, they gave you know, major fines to one of the local businesses for violating Pritzker's rules. Well, Pritzker's rules weren't being enforced by the health department. East Peoria, um, once you adjust for the fact that they have an older population than we do, has roughly the same death rate as we do, but they open things wide up. So basically, that's one example, so you can't say that's the absolute truth, but it's a very good example of So basically, we're killing off our businesses, we're killing off our jobs, we're inconveniencing people, we're creating depression for no gain. Those are things that needed to be looked at, but it was all purely, let's do what Pritzker says because we want to keep Pritzker happy or whatever it was they were thinking, as opposed to thinking outside the box and looking at what's good for the people.
3: Yeah, I think a lot of what you described, um, and I think a lot of what gets people frustrated is that most of what happened was a reactive measure um, and that's a hundred percent because no one saw this thing coming. Um, but we, we, we are to follow along with your analogy, kind of we're, we're in looking in the rearview mirror now. Right. Um, and so what is the role of the government m- moving forward? What sort of proactive measures should we be thinking about as a small town? Um, if something like this happens again, keeping in mind that we're also a college town um, and you know, that, that had a lot to do with our numbers.
2: Right. Um- Early on, uh, I actually caught some flack from a lot of my friends. You know, the, f- the first two weeks to flatten the curve, I actually said, you know, this shutdown may not be a bad idea because at that time we didn't know a lot and it did look like you know, the tornado in the rearview mirror. So, you know, the two weeks, I i guess I'd even say I supported it. But anything past that, uh, above and beyond the fact that it may not even be legal, um, is... Okay, at that point, you need to keep looking in the rearview mirror, and and that wasn't done. So, what should we do at this point? Do our best to get everybody back to normal, uh, you know, not capital N normal, obviously, but um, we need to focus our efforts on those who are most at risk, which is you know primarily the elderly in the homes. Um, Again, I I don't know all the details. I'm not a healthcare worker. So I'm, again, open to outside input, especially from people that know more than I do. How do we handle something like this if it happens again? Again, it's hard to say without specifics, but assuming it's a a complete exact repeat, you know, the initial shutdown, again, since we didn't know any better, uh, that might be doable. Uh, But then again, look at the science, look at the statistics, so on. Uh, I know when they're talking about sending our kids back to school, uh, I'm, I'm divorced, so I was saying, yeah, we should send the kids back to school as soon as we have the option. My wife said, well, that doesn't do us much good if they die. And I said, have you looked at the statistics? Statistically, they are more likely to die of the flu. Statistically, they're like, I don't know if it was 10 or 100 or what, more likely to die on the drive to school than from the virus. And that's assuming they even catch it. So people need to have less hysteria and more looking at what's really going on.
0: Right,
3: yeah, and I I think that implies a certain type of flexibility um, that these decisions are not always as easy as black and white. Um, And in the same way we need to be thinking forward about the the restructuring of our bus routes, we should be thinking about that. Um, I've got a particular question. I don't know how much fruit there is here on this tree, so I'll ask anyway. Thinking about business owners, right? We have set a position in town, in the town of normal based on what we, how we reacted to COVID. Um, I go to Tawanda. I go to Lexington. These things are handled differently. Every city up and down 55. Um, right? What, what should we be signaling as a town? Look, if this happens again, here's how we're bolstering our approach. Because frankly, that's what I'm interested in.
2: Um. The best thing we can do is vote out the people that are there right now, because the people that we have right now have shown very clearly that normal is Mm -hmm. anti-business. We will shut you down. We will fine you. We will harass you. Um, And that all needs to stop. But I don't think it's going to stop unless we change leadership. Uh, Last election cycle, I was a a write-in and Stan actually pulled me aside and said, Quit telling people that you'd pick me before you'd pick you. But that's what it was. I thought Stan was a better candidate than me. Um, this time around, I think I am the best candidate for town council. So I'm more than happy to say that. Um, however, again, I'm not in this for me. If if I were only allowed one vote total on the whole ballot, I would vote for Mark Tiratilli. Mm-hmm. His election is more important than mine. Um, and again, like I said, I, I'm in this because the townspeople are not represented either in a listening manner or a taxpayer manner, you know, I'm, a, I'm here to help. And sometimes here to help means putting somebody else first.
1: Oh, uh, I think you. I went, go ahead. No,
2: I was just going to say, ahead. I think I went off on a tangent. Did I answer the question?
3: <laughs> I think you did. I think you did. It was a very open
1: okay. question. I'm sorry. <laughs> sorry for not being more direct, but well, that's fine. We're, we're just talking. It's all good. <laughs> we'll go wherever. Um, we do only have about 10 minutes left. So I, couple of things you said during the lightning round if we can quickly dig into them um two two answers specifically i wanted to get in you said sports complex terrible idea and economic development um and and i wanted to pry on that one a little bit so whichever one you want to hit first uh thoughts thoughts around either sports complex or your approach on economic development i'll
2: hit the sports complex first the very first time that the the town had a presentation it was out at heartland college i actually got up because all the board members were there it was open for public comment and i said This is a terrible idea. This is basically Bloomington's white elephant of the Coliseum. This is gonna be our white elephant. Mm. Don't do it. Um, Now, they've kind of developed a smaller one with private money and if they can keep it all private money, do what they want, great, fine. But we should not be pouring public money into something that's never gonna pan out for us, kind of like the Coliseum has never panned out for Bloomington. Uh,
1: is there is there a role for private money um you know i've I've heard obviously you hear that you know let's not jump in 45 million dollars it'll never pay for itself and and that but uh, is there a role as far as uh public assisting for some of the infrastructure or or pieces like that to to help out or or should we stay away from that as well
2: i'd have to see more the numbers as far as Will it be an economic engine and actually bring in anything close to what the, the original 45 million? They said, Oh, we'll have you know these tournaments and this and that and whatever, but it'll still never pay for itself. Okay, with the new layout, how much will it pay for itself? How much will it add to the town? My initial thought is treat it like any other expansion. If you want to put in a new subdivision, basically you have to pay for the the sewer lines to go out there. So if they wanna put in this complex and they need X amount of water, X amount of sewer, they're the ones who pay for it. That's my initial thought, but again, I'm open to looking at the numbers and if it makes sense for us to provide some small level of subsidy, it might be
1: worth it. And that transitions nicely to the economic development piece. So at at what point, uh, what should incentives look like? Should we be using those when should they kick in? um the
2: the first initial thing that comes to mind is we shouldn't be competing with bloomington we're a big community that was one of my issues with the the trail east project is oh we need to put this in because we're going to have you know these three big businesses well they're all in bloomington why are we stealing from bloomington if we can steal from joliet if we can steal from michigan now great let's pulling more money into the area if you're stealing from bloomington you're just shuffling the money around and creating bad blood other than that uh A lot of the incentives seem to be towards preferred restaurants and bars and so on that town council members like. And those don't add to the community. If if I'm going to Portillo's, I have to drive by Wendy's to get there. If I'm going downtown to the new brew pub, I have to walk by Medici to get there. So that's not a net benefit to the community. Now... Now, Brandt, granted, that's just north of town, but still, that's a great example of they're bringing in money from outside. Um, Rivian, there's still some question how well it's going to do, how long it's going to last, but it appears to be something that will pull in money from outside. Those are all great things, and that's what we need to focus on is economic engines that bring money in from outside, not just this would be nice or this sounds good or the mayor likes this idea.
3: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So we do have some existing spaces. Speaking a little more specifically, um, the Uptown Normal Plaza, for example, um, I've heard the, the the committee talk a little bit along the lines of needing that space to be more flexible for another type of business than the restaurant they originally anticipated. Um, does the does the the normal government have role in um, in incentivizing people to go to that particular space?
2: My understanding. Right? Like,
3: How do we fill that space is is probably my more blunt question.
2: My understanding is the town council or maybe perhaps the mayor currently has veto power over that and there have been some companies that wanted to be there and they said, no, it's supposed to be a, a nice restaurant. We need to be more flexible as far as what the market will bear, what the market will do. Should the town actively provide incentives to fill that space? Probably not depending on what it is that's going into that space. The biggest thing we can do is Get out of the way. Mm -hmm. Government shouldn't be in the business of picking winners and picking losers and excessive regulation, excessive taxes, excessive fines. Mostly, we need to create a stable environment. Okay, you're not going to get robbed. Okay, your building is not going to burn down. Okay, you're not drinking brown water. And then from there, let private enterprise and individual people make the decisions as far as what happens.
1: Yeah, yeah, I
3: I think that's a good answer. Thank you.
1: Well, Carl, uh, we're getting towards the end here. So I want to make sure if, uh, people want to go check you out learn more about your positions, um, donate to you, volunteer, et cetera. How, how is the best way for them to get in contact with you? Uh,
2: the best way is vote for Carl. That's 11 letters, just all strung together.org. Uh, I'm also on Facebook. Uh, I've put up a couple of videos there and I plan on putting more up and you can see my positions and, uh, some questions out there because i'm not sure exactly what people want to know i can dig you know down into the the weeds and the you know here's the math on why i say blah 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 but i think most people's eyes would glaze over so tell me what you want and i'll put it out there other than that i'd love to have volunteers and contributions again vote for carl uh that's carl with a K. Yeah, I was just going to say that, and,
1: and, and F F O R, not the number four. Correct, you. and it's yeah.
2: uh, .org. I purposely chose .org because we have a lot of .orgs in the area. It's normal.org, normalpubliclibrary.org, and so on. So we're kind of a, a .org town. Yeah.
1: Well, um, before we get going, we want to make sure that we uh, be sure to thank our sponsor, A Little Beaver Brewery. Um, I don't know if you've ever been there or not or, or been out there, but they just uh, expanded the kitchen here this last year and the outdoor patio um, on a beautiful day like today. It's you know finally hitting 50 degrees. And I, I saw people outside when I was driving back uh, back home. It'd be a great day to get out there, uh, check out some of the, the many different craft brews that they have, the, the uh, new menu and the outdoor patio it's just very friendly friendly uh, positive environment so um, encourage all our listeners to go out there and check them out sometime well thank you much for coming on carol we appreciate it and good luck to you here on uh, coming up in april
2: thanks so much for having me I have a great time just like last time